We're going to have an interview with the Public Service Commissioner Jim Brown. Wow. I feel good. Now, and, of course, this is James Brown. I think everybody knows this reference, right? I feel good. I mean, and it's so soulful. It just grabs. That's all you need is this, um, and you're going to so win. Eric, me and Eric Young, or Eric Young and I are in agreement with that. But uh, James Brown, Jim Brown said we could do that. So, and I can hardly stop myself anyway. Okay, but th- this is serious. So there's a lot of things, and you know, some rate issues as well on the docket for the Public Service Commission. So Jim Brown's going to come on to talk more about these things. Uh, again, it's something I, I didn't know a ton about. Uh, I still don't know uh, a ton about here. Uh, but there is this case that is well, actually uh, had a had a hearing before the Public Service Commission, because they've got to approve this process authorizing Northwestern Energy to provide operational assistance to Sleepy Hollow Oil and Gas Distribution System. That's a, a company that's been in that Winterford area, uh, maybe not quite 10 years, uh, but I, I don't see a ton on this. But in chatting with uh, Jim yesterday and, and just briefly um, said, let's put this on the plate. And, and it's interesting where you have this possibly this this uh, you know energy provider that is is in distress and there's Northwestern Energy. I, I take it that's that's how I fill it in here. Um, that uh, Northwestern Energy is going to come in and, and continue to provide service there through possibly an expedited expedited process for the commission. But uh, we'll talk about how that happens. Um, and uh, you know, obviously the result of that um, will they approve that? Um, and then this too. This just came out. Of course, I think it's. Well, it's, it's been making a lot of news lately, and, and because it involves Northwestern Energy, and, I, and I'm pretty transparent about it. I, I like our energy companies. I'm, I would say I'm a fan of our energy companies because I like our energy. And I have concerns, and I've expressed them, that the math, when it comes to trying to get to a completely carbon-free energy sector, um, doesn't add up by 2050. And uh, I think there's a lot of things while we're seeing right now, too, uh, because of this conflict uh, in Russia, how precarious that that energy can be. And, and if, if you don't have energy, you don't have prosperity, no matter where you're at. Um, and, and in fact, the prosperity you have sinks real fast. Uh, you know, they're already talking about energy shortages in, in California. Of course, I guess that's that's no um, nothing that's, uh, you know, entirely news. But they're, they're already printing Again, it's maybe it's some favorable um, left-leaning media that, that's printing these things regarding, look at uh, this summer, you may not be able to plug in your electric vehicle. Okay, I know it's hyperbole, right? But they're actually preparing the public for um, a loss of energy that will affect them um, greatly, their mobility. And, um, well, th- there's just a lot of things to, that we got to sort through here. Uh, and I've talked about this, and I need to probably get it on a, a little note card, put it in front of me, some statistics that I'm finding from uh, Robert Bryce, who is an author um, and an energy expert, done some documentaries. We actually interviewed him here. He's spoken with the, uh, you know, before the Montana Electric Cooperatives Association. That's how we um, uh, we got to know each other. He, he wrote a book that I um, haven't got yet. I'm still trying to finish this one on climate change from Steve Conan. Um I, I, I run into bumps every now and again when it comes to trying to get my, my reading done and my homework done. Anyway, I know he's got in there 
uh, he's done quite a bit of the math, and and I need to just put that right in front of me so I could, when I'm talking about it, I can I can look at these things um, it, intuitively. Uh, it, it doesn't seem that we are that we're trading. We're trading off um, prosperity for more. It's okay to ask for that trade off, but we're not asking is it a fair trade off? It does the math add up, and what is the cost, and is that cost fair, and is it equitable? Um, yes, we do want a more carbon-friendly energy grid, and we can get that. We don't have to fall over and into a pit to do that and then climb ourselves out of it. And we're seeing that in Europe right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, uh, they had some of the most stringent carbon-free mandates, so to speak, and and uh, and they're they're in trouble all over the place. And a lot of that has to do, of course, with the conflict. Uh, I saw I was going to pass this along here. 62 million barrels of Russia's um, crude oil is actually sitting out in sea because and, – and 15% of that has no destination. Um, you know, obviously this, this conflict has, has a tremendous impact uh, on the energy around the world. And, and we should be – at least have our eyes open about where our vulnerabilities are um, and, and that will lead – uh, clue us into where some of our solutions are when it comes to um, not running into circumstances where we have to pay seven dollars uh, for a gallon of gasoline. It's priced that high in some places in the country. Um, it and it doesn't have to be that way. I know there's there's a ton of solutions, but the timing of those things is my point here. Okay, um, and and the sacrifice that many of us are being at, we're not even being asked to make. We're, we're just, uh, uh, it's just, it's being thrown upon us. We don't have a choice um, about a lot of this. But back to this law here. We'll, we'll talk uh, with the Public Service Commission, Jim Brown, about it. Uh, this came out, when was it? May, uh, I'm, I'm reading from uh, the Montana Free Press article by Amanda Eggert, uh, May 11th, 2022, uh, reprinted by Lee Newspapers. And it just gives some background on this. The Missoula judge, his name is Jason Marks. He's a district court judge. He struck down a law that went into effect 2003 and was amended in 2007 that essentially, I'm trying to wrap it up here, sum it up, um, gives Northwestern Energy and actually um, all energy companies, uh, but uh, the Northwestern Energy was really about the only player in this field, and that's why the the law was struck down. Uh, Pre-approval for energy generation projects. Uh, and, and how important is that? I, I, you know, uh, during, according to this story, Northwestern Energy's lawyers and then even the PSC, I think, discussed or defended uh, that it helps North, it, it would hinder Northwestern's ability to secure funding for these. And they, they are capital intense investments. Um, they, were, they were talking about putting, in fact, uh, we, uh, Taylor Brown did a show on it here, that, that uh, gas plant in Laurel. That, that is um, 175 megawatts. I don't look at it earlier today. I think it's 175 megawatts and about 280 plus million dollars. You know, talk about capital investments there. So, uh, but that's 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 part of the game here. Um, so that law pre-approval for energy generation projects. Now it's not pre-approval for for energy. You'll go out and you will run into energy contracts. Um, this is energy generation pro- uh, projects. And essentially, it does put ratepayers on the hook for what may amount to be speculation. Um, but the judge ruled essentially, though, 
that it violated a portion of the Constitution or violated the Montana Constitution, um, that uh, special act provision. And, and uh, that part of the Constitution provi- uh, prohibits the legislature from passing any special or local act when a general act is or can be made uh, applicable. And, and so the judge said that 2003 law and that 2007 amendment um, conferred, quoting here, exclusive and lucrative financial benefit only on Northwestern Energy, and adding there is no legitimate legislative purpose to financially favor only one corporate owner of a public utility. They all admit that the law um, allows all utilities, uh, but also, uh, as the court, as the judge has found, um, uh, specifically and especially for uh, this circumstance for Northwestern Energy. I don't know why so long. Uh, I'm going to ask that question as uh, we'll have James Brown up here very shortly. I almost reached for the. Well, I'll reach for it. There. I know it's, you're going to get tired of that. Maybe not. It's, it is James Brown. It is classic. Um, the uh, uh, you know, like I say, 2003, 2007. It came actually into focus uh, because of uh, this plan to build this natural gas plant in Laurel um, and and Northwestern Energy. Because we're going through just tremendous uh, inflationary pressures right now. Um, they had started the process uh, for PSE pre-approval. There's a process there, too. Okay, It's just not a blank check. They, they say it's a blank check. But, the, um, uh, you know, th- th- there's data that, that goes along with this as well. Um, but nonetheless, the Northwestern Energy uh, decided to forge ahead without that pre-approval process. This was uh, actually, well, this fall, uh, less, this past fall saying labor and material costs, we need to act quickly on this, uh, because they do. We, uh, they're looking, and they've been talking about it, we've been talking about it here, um, the shortage of this, this base generation flow for Montana uh, is serious. We've talked also and detailed the, uh, the cost of not being prepared, of not having base load when you're buying energy on the open market, when everybody else needs energy on the open market at the same time, too. So, we talk about um, the carbon here. We can. Um, it's a natural gas plant, so uh, that's more carbon-friendly, obviously, than coal. Uh, but but uh, I think the biggest part of this asset is is that it is a um, reliable source. And, and, and we just don't see enough of that as we look down the road here. Anyway, um, when Northwestern Energy announced that, then this lawsuit came out filed by a group called 350 Montana and, and a few of Missoula residents. And uh, then they had their, their oral arguments uh, in March, and, and then this, this ruling comes down. So uh, I'm curious. Uh, I think it's, it's, it is rather big news in this area because this law goes back. I wonder how often um, that process has been used and, and what was the outcome of that. I think I read one report. I, I prob- Well, um, it was a published report. That I'm going to say it without giving their specific figures, um, but but they said that kind of speculation encourages um, you know overcharges, and and uh, it, it's just not um, well not the right way to do things. We're going to talk more. We got James Brown upcoming here in just a bit, so uh, that's ahead here. It's from Montana for Montana Voices of Montana. Montana hospitals make a promise. To be the safety net for their communities. When you're in a car crash 100 miles from a hospital, you hope someone's coming. Here's Curtis Harper of Logan Health Cut Bank. A year ago, our county ambulance was at a crossroads. 
Our local hospitals stepped up and said, we'll run it. If we didn't, more than 3,000 square miles would be without an ambulance. We had to figure it out. Today we're saving lives in Cupink, and now we're helping along the High Line, too. It's one more way our hospitals are keeping their promise to Montana. Let's welcome James Brown, the public service commissioner uh, and also a candidate for Supreme Court. But uh, uh, good morning, Jim. How's it going, man? Good morning. It's good to be on again. Good to be among friends again. I appreciate you being here. Um, I uh, I was teasing uh, in that first segment. I'm going to do it because you said we could. I just, I don't know. It does something inside. It just does something inside. Uh, uh, thank you for being, um, you know, a good sport about that. Well, sure. I can even complete the next line. I feel nice sugar and spice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the Sleepy Hollow thing. I was not aware um, that there was a situation out there in, in central Montana. What is this? Yeah, so this, this is a matter that hasn't gotten much uh, press coverage here in Montana. Uh, but it was a pretty serious matter that the PSC is now on top of. Um, so... Sleepy Hollow owns and operates a natural gas distribution system in central Montana, providing service to about 150 customers in Winifred Hill and parts of Lewistown. And the system connects with Northwest Energy's gas system uh, to uh, supply the gas. And um, we've sort of been monitoring the operation of that uh, entity since December of 2020 when it started to fail to respond to some of our natural gas safety uh, checkups. And it uh, turns out that the um, the owner of the Sleepy Hollow had passed away. The uh, entity had gone into bankruptcy and receivership, and um, it was a pretty serious situation And that no one was really monitoring the gas system uh, for safety. And, in fact, uh, billing wasn't happening for these customers. And so um, I'm pleased to say that the uh, this is really unique. I, uh, the staff here at the PSC can't ever recall a situation where one of our regulated entities went into uh, bankruptcy and receivership and then stopped essentially uh, operating its system. And uh, we got on top of this and um, have worked with um, folks on the ground uh, there in Fergus County and then uh, with uh, Northwestern Energy, and we approved uh, just recently a temporary operating authority for Northwestern Energy to pick up that and operate that gas system. Um, uh, and that made sense, giving Northwestern's pre-existing interconnection to the system. So um, we're very pleased that Northwestern stepped up in this regard for the safety of the community served and is a qualified operator. Um, and uh, so they will be operating and temporarily while they look to purchase the system. What is this? the process then of checking all these valves? Or uh, I, I find this unique too, Jim, um, and – uh, and you want to look at this and what created this circumstance to to see if there's uh, you know simple ways to head that off, uh, but on the on the uh, in the immediacy of it, um, what is Northwestern Energy? What what what's their timeline? Uh, are they able to get in there and and do all the safety checks necessary? Yes, so that that is really good news for the folks that are served by this system. Is is Northwestern Energy is in there and now operating uh, the system. Uh, it took it over, and so um, that's that's a best case scenario. Uh, the, good, the other good piece of news on this is um, this shows that our regulatory checks work. Uh, obviously, PSC regulates uh, gas and pipeline safety, and so uh, we identified that there was a problem with this <clears throat> this uh, gas uh, utility uh, 
about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, and have been on top of that monitoring what happened. But the the reality is is that uh, the parent company for this uh, gas utility is based out of Ohio, oh. and then the owner of the parent company uh, died, and and uh, his whole business went into bankruptcy. And so we've been dealing with a bankruptcy court out of Ohio. It's been a bit of a legal morass in addition to the uh, safety concerns. How does the energy grid um, build in for these kind of redundancies, when, uh, especially when you have, um, you know, maybe ownership conflict? What was unique to this circumstance was is that we were fortunate that Northwestern Energy basically provided the gas, yeah, went to serve these customers, and so we we also had notification from one of our uh, in-state regulated utilities that that there was a problem with this system, and so that. That, as you stated, was a redundancy that was helpful to ensuring that that um, all of us got on top of this and it didn't become a uh, safety issue for uh, the folks that were served by this uh, gas operator. Uh, do you uh, do you look at what you can do, maybe in its simplest form, to try and and it looks like you did avoid um, a worse, more uh, more difficult situation here. Um, but but do you look at what possibly you can do at a minimal level to be better informed here? Yeah, I, I, I agree with your statement that we did avoid a worst-case scenario. I mean, our our nuclear option here at the agency, of course, is to just start to go in and shut down the system. Yeah. Um, and we certainly considered that um, as we were determining um, whether or not Northwestern would be able to take over operation of this entity. But to, to the point of your question is, yeah, uh, we we obviously have the, the mechanisms in place here uh, at the agency, uh, particularly in cooperation with the federal government, who does um, interstate uh, pipeline safety, to make sure that these small utilities are operating uh, safely. Going to take a break here. We've got news upcoming. It's Montana Public Service Commission Chair uh, Jim Brown with us here and um, uh, Dylan Native. We're on in Dillon, by the way. Uh, sure, sure, glad to, to be uh, speaking with those folks on a regular basis, too. Fourth generation Montanan. Uh, more ahead here, but first, BB has these headlines. As telecom manager at a health insurance plan, Carl does what's required. I run a fully automated phone tree that keeps our members from ever having to speak to a human. Hey, I do what's required. At Pacific Source Health Plans, we go beyond what's required. Instead of automated phone trees, we have real people answering our members' calls in an average of 30 seconds, which means you'll always speak with a person who can help. Pacific Source Health Plans, members first. Back more with Jim Brown, James Brown, Montana Public Service uh, Commission Chair. I want to find out what's on the docket and also talk about uh, this recent ruling that, that would affect a uh, Northwestern Energy and their pre-approval process. Tom Schultz alongside. It's from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana. Again, thanks for being here. We'll also get into uh, the campaign. I know uh, a bit later on, um, James James Brown. Jim Brown is running for the Supreme Court, too, um, a guy who has his own law firm. And um, a lot of, I I think there's a lot of credibility uh, in especially the ag community. Uh, That's where I got to know you working with the wool growers. 
Uh, Jim, again, thanks for being here. Let's hop right into this too first, though. Uh, and I, I just I, I kind of set it up going in. Uh, there was a law that was struck down that a Missoula judge had said gave um, Northwestern Energy an unfair advantage. This law goes back to 2003. It puts on hold or at least maybe shuffles this pre-approval process for Northwestern Energy for energy generation projects. Yeah, that's. I, I think you stated that right. The, the Public Service Commission is a main defendant uh, in that lawsuit because we're the ones that um, carry out and apply that law, and so obviously we're named <laughs> as part of that lawsuit. We're being represented by the Attorney General's Office for the state of Montana. Um, really, the lawsuit goes to whether <clears throat> whether or not the legislature um, gave Northwestern Energy basically um, uh, a special act within the meaning of Article 5, Section 12 of the Montana Constitution, and therefore unconstitutional. Um, certainly the district court found that um, we are in discussions with uh, the Attorney General's office about whether or not that uh, decision uh, will be appealed. Ah, yeah, I suppose I suppose there is that. Um, and so maybe it's hard to talk about how this how this affects um, both the energy companies, not only Northwestern Energy, but um, other energy companies operating in Montana, um, rate payers, uh, and it's possibly all of that to be on hold pending appeal. But um, how does it affect all those entities? Well, the, the immediate effect for the, the agency is is that at the time that that decision was ordered, we had a pending docket where Northwestern Energy had applied for pre-approval of a 50-megawatt carbon-free battery storage project in Montana called oh. the Bear Tooth Battery Storage. It would be located there in Yellowstone uh, County. Uh, with that decision, of course, um, putting the constitutionality of the pre-approval statute in question, uh, that that docket has now been uh, put on hold until we see what happens with the um, uh, with the lawsuit. Um, I suspect that uh, Northwestern will appeal the decision. They they've certainly indicated that in the newspaper. Um, the effect, of course, is is that one of the um, theories of the judge was is that um, it was a special uh, enactment because Northwestern was the entity that was able to take care of this. And so our other big regulated utility, which would be Montana Dakota Utilities, um, doesn't have this. So the scope of it uh, remains to be seen. But it did have an immediate impact on one of our, our dockets and that the, the pre-approval of the storage has been put on hold. Um, I, I, lots to cover on that as we'll come on back with more here. As you mentioned, Montana Dakota Utilities um, uh, not involved here. Perhaps uh, maybe there's pending legislation. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I, I think, solutions to to this issue. And, and we'll talk about the benefits of pre-approval for energy generation projects. Back with more of Jim Brown here on Voices in just a bit. Voices of Montana continues right after this. Montanans know how special our waters are, but pests like zebra mussels and Eurasian watermill foil can harm recreational opportunities. Please help protect Montana's waters by cleaning all mud, plants, and debris off your boat, recreational equipment, and fishing gear before you leave the access site. 
Drain water from motors, live wells, and bilges, and allow your boat and equipment time to dry before the next outing. And no matter what watercraft you use, please stop at all inspection stations. Together, we can protect Montana's waters. Visit CleanDrainDryMT.com. James, thank you for being here again. I appreciate that. Uh, again. I know it. Uh, I really, uh, we can pull that down. Yeah, I'm, I, you're, you're dealing with a goofball here sometimes. Um, uh, have we seen, I think you mentioned uh, uh, one example here, and maybe this Beartooth Battery Storage Project is a good place to go uh, to talk about um, the, the, what happens if this law um, goes away? What has it brought us? What, what is um, what is the benefit of a pre-approval process? Kind of, kind of hit on it a little bit, but in your mind, uh, are there some merited benefits in this? The theory, the theory, and the purpose for the pre-approval statute uh, is historic in in nature. It is um, certainly you were around in the late 1990s when uh, Montana Power Company got deregulated, <clears throat> and um, the um, generation and uh, distribution side got split, and which turned into a uh, complete uh, debacle for the state of Montana, yeah. as you know. Uh, yeah. Rate pairs rates just shot out of the roof. Um, Northwestern, which was the acquiring uh, entity for the transmission side, then got <clears throat> the power generating assets back, went into bankruptcy a couple times, and so the the idea behind the law was to help <clears throat> Northwestern Energy basically. Um, replicate what Montana Power was doing in that it was an integrated uh, utility providing both generation and transmission. Um, that was the purpose behind the statute. Um, the legislature will obviously have to decide if the, if the decision holding that statute is unconstitutional stands, whether um, there's a good policy reason for um, um, revising or renewing that statute. Now, we're, we at the PSC just apply the law. We we don't really have a policy position on the on the um, statute itself. Fair enough. Um, would that affect something like uh, the Beartooth Battery Storage Project if if they did not have this kind of authority? And again, it's it's pre-approval. Um, it's just kind of put uh, ratepayers on the hook for what could be speculation. But uh, there's no speculation of the fact we need more base power. Um, uh, how would that affected this Beartooth Battery Storage Project? Well. Yeah, uh, I, it, it's there is no dispute that um, Montana is now going into a, co- a capacity uh, crisis um, with the with the shutdown uh, of the Lewis and Clark coal plant and the shutdown of uh, Coal Strip One and Two. We are we are getting into a position in the state where we used to be a net exporter of uh, energy and now we're becoming a net importer of energy, which is going to be problematic in my opinion in the long run for ratepayers in Montana because we're having our utilities go out on the open market and purchase power and certainly you've seen what's happening to power yeah um, supply rates right now you know the Beartooth the Beartooth battery project is an interesting one because there's been a push uh, in recent years to do more alternative forms of uh, energy energy generation right solar and um and uh, wind power, and of course, battery storage, uh, adequate battery storage is important to the success of um, those types of energy production. And so <clears throat> what will be interesting um, is, is that this, this Beartooth battery storage would have been basically the first 
um, real battery project that the PSC has approved, um, and and it's on hold. And so we'll see we'll see what happens. But um, you know, if we're going to start relying more in Montana on uh, alternative forms of um, green energy, if you will, th- then the battery component has to be a, a part of it in order in order to um, have um, stable energy supply. Yeah. You know, one of the criticisms, of course, of alternative energy sources is that the wind doesn't always blow and the sun doesn't always shine, and so you have intermittency inter- uh, problems that you wouldn't otherwise have with, say, a natural gas or a coal-fired plant. Yeah, I was looking at what's happening uh, in Europe uh, because of um, you know their dependence on, on Russian natural gas and, and oil and... Um, and uh, They've got like they in the in the main continent um, a loss of wind down fifteen percent this last year. I mean, uh, uh, if you, that is just it's it's tough to <laughs> that's not the definition of reliability. Um, uh, you know the wind. Anyway, um, I want to move off of that, uh, and I appreciate some of those answers. I want to get a, a quick word in here about um, as we've been talking about it yesterday, nuclear future. Um, how would the PSC again from that perspective? Um, approach and it's a long ways off i don't even know if you guys are discussing it um but uh, how would the psc approach that yeah i i appreciate your statement that it's a long ways off in montana because it's a long ways yeah. off in montana but that yeah. doesn't mean we're not participating in the dialogue of what nuclear energy uh, would mean to the state and how it would fit into the energy portfolio uh, in Montana, certainly we've been engaged with in dialogue with our legislative oversight committee called the the ETIC committee, the Energy and Telecommunications Committee. They have put a lot of work into studying uh, the viability of um, nuclear energy uh, in Montana. Uh, as you know, and I'm sure you've discussed with your li- listenership, the 2021 legislature passed a bill, House Bill 273, which transfers the authority to authorize the construction of nuclear power facilities in the state um, basically away from the public via the referendum process to uh, to the legislature. And so um, that's one step I would say that was necessary for those who support nuclear power to um, get that source of power to be a a viable option in Montana. Uh, Interesting. Um, Jim Brown is with us here again, a a fourth-generation Montanan, uh, appreciated getting to know him. Of course, grew up in Beaverhead County as well and then graduated from the University of Montana. Uh, you know, I, I got to tell the story, Jim, and I, I want to talk about your, your campaign, but, um, you know, you and I kind of, um, well, we're, we're Grizz fans, all right? Mostly Grizz fans, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yep. so we, we get in those egg circles like at the wool growers or stock growers, you're a member of that, and you get teased so hard in that crowd um, that I, uh, if, if you want, you can, uh, you can point to me, I would stand up and I, and I would sing the, the fight song if you need. Okay. Well, I appreciate the support. Uh, yeah. I, for those that have attended, say the, the wool growers conventions, uh, I would say your statement that I get, uh, kitted mercifully, mercilessly, uh, for being a Grizz. Uh, that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's a lot of fun. It is. Um, yep. uh, you know, I, I have an excellent rapport with uh, Wadag Crisado at, at MSU. She always likes to joke that uh, uh, I'm always her favorite Grizzly. Uh, <laughs> so that's appreciated. <laughs> hey, um, uh, you're running for Supreme Court. 
I look at uh, how how important these court races are nowadays. I, I mean, I'm reading stories. One, um, you know, there's a prosecutor. I think it's in Missouri uh, who who uh, only prosecuted like 1,100 out of 7,100 uh, cases. Uh, you know, on her docket. Um, uh, again, part of that is this whole justice system. You got the leaking of the Supreme Court draft document. You've got talk about a, a court expansion. Um, how do you how do you campaign through what seems to be kind of a, a tumultuous time for our courts? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Uh, I agree with you. It is a it is a tumultuous time for the judiciary, not only in Montana but on the federal level. We we've certainly seen um, some interesting developments with the U.S. Supreme Court, where you had the discussion by the Biden administration of packing the Supreme Court by adding more members in order to effectuate policy, essentially. And then, of course, you had the unprecedented leak uh, of apparently what was the draft Roe v. Wade um, review decision. I mean, never never in the history of the United States has a, a draft Supreme Court decision been leaked. Um, just shows you how important the judiciary is in uh, 2020. It's part of the reason I'm running for state Supreme Court um, is because I I would like to um, be one of those that starts to restore faith um, in the judiciary. Um, Another reason I'm running is for the very reason that that, um, we've talked about over the years is that I grew up around agriculture, represented agriculture as an attorney, and I don't feel that important constituency is being represented right now on the state Supreme Court, agriculture remains our number one economic generator, and we don't have anybody on the court that really has a background and and knowledge of of issues that that face our agriculture producers. How do, and and I would ask anybody this question, how how does the public make informed decisions about their Supreme Court candidates? Uh, It seems like that's a race that, that goes under the radar more, more than, than any. How, how do people make, um, you know, informed decisions about this Im- important part of our branches of government. That that is such a cogent and important point. You're right. I mean, I, I, you know, as a practicing attorney in Montana, you know, for almost two decades, uh, it's been my experience watching these judicial races. Most people don't know who they're voting for or what their positions are, uh, and part of that is because these races are are nonpartisan races, and and you can't have um, political endorsements. In fact, it's a judicial violation for me to accept an endorsement from an elected official, which is, mm-hmm. in my mind, a clear violation of the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that you know, the way that I suggest people try to figure out who's running and who's uh, what their positions are is, is several fold. One is to look at some of the interest groups that um, you know sort of uh, circulate around the legal system. Uh, but another thing is to go look at our campaign finance filings as candidates to see who's contributing, and, and that will give you a really good idea uh, of where we stand. And, I, and on that point, I can tell you that the incumbent I'm running against, all of her contributions, well, not all, but the vast majority are from trial lawyers in Montana. And if you look at where my contributions are coming from, they're coming from business owners in Montana. How do we uh, – we can find those at Secretary of State's office or – No, the Montana Commissioner of Political Practices. Gotcha. It's yeah. sort of wonky. It's kind of hard to find actually. Yeah. 
No. You go to the Montana COPP, Commissioner of Political Practices website, and then you have to basically drill down on the site to to get to these filings. Yeah, and, and that really is an important part uh, of the process here is to is to inform ourselves. And so, you know, having that um, that open government is dang important for that. Yeah, it is. And another restriction is, is that, you know, we're not really supposed to even talk about, like, um, you know, cases. I mean, how do you – how does an electorate – uh, get informed if if a judicial candidate can't talk about cases. Yeah, yeah, it's really <laughs> tough. Yeah, and and, yeah. and so um, it, it's uh, that process does need to improve. And 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 so I appreciate you coming on here too. And um and uh, we'll the, the, this microphone is open. This was not necessarily uh, a campaign related interview, but the microphone is open for uh, your opponents as well. And you've got a primary upcoming, and then and then the yep. uh, the general. Uh, hopefully, if you if you get on through. Hey, uh, thanks for doing it. Thanks for the service, James. I appreciate that very much. All right. Well, a shout out to all my friends across Montana in agriculture. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Jim. Jim Brown, Public Service Commission uh, for uh, PSC Chair.